the next level course that I'm calling first responder finance. Uh-huh. And it has really four, uh, four pieces to that stool. And it is, you know, the education majors who will be teaching mm-hmm. and it is the more traditional finance and, and accounting and economics students. Yeah. But then the other two pieces of the stool are social workers mm. and criminal justice majors. Mm. Wow, and, cool. Yeah, and and so, um, so that's where I'm calling it first responder finance. But when when we developed our social work program at, at UT Tyler, and I, I was part of the committee that brought our wonderful um, new faculty in. And I asked each of them in the interview separately, you know, what they saw as the biggest challenge with the families they would be working with. And they all said, oh, money. Yeah. Welcome to AFO Wealth Management Forward, a podcast about finance, accounting, technology, and entrepreneurship. We apply our decades worth of experience and insight into what makes businesses work so we can help others grow both personally and professionally. In this ever-evolving marketplace, we help accounting firms and financial advisors grow their practice through the adoption of holistic wealth management services. Learn from industry leaders and subject matter experts to unlock the secrets of their success a podcast that shows people and companies the transformative power of technology so they don't fear it, but instead harness it. Don't fight the robots, team up with them. And here are your hosts, Rory Henry, Director of Business Development and CEO Rob Santos of Arrowroot Family Office. All right. Hello, everyone. I am again joined by my guest co-host, Julie Johnson. Julie, how are we doing today? Fabulous, Rory. Thank you so much. So excited to be here with you and Susan. Thank you for joining me again. Yes, we have another great guest. She is the founding director of the Center uh, for Economic Education and Financial Literacy at the University of Texas at Tyler. She's been teaching economics and personal finance for over 30 years. Uh, She supports financial advisors uh, and their clients with advice on issues related to family, families, financial education, and creating generational wealth. Uh, so without further ado, let me introduce our guest, Susan Dottie. Susan, welcome to the show. Well, it's lovely uh, for you to have me, Rory. Thank you. And Julie, I'm glad to be here with you. So uh, I, no, I've got to take that 30-year-old thing out of, out of <laughs> my bio because it just makes me sound old. <laughs> uh, wise. Wise. Makes you sound yes. wise. Oh, I like that. Okay. Yes. <laughs> well, you started out with a career in biotechnology uh, in that field. And then you switched over to economics and financial literacy. You know, what inspired that that change, Susan, that career path change um, uh, uh, into economics and financial education? Well, it's interesting. Thank you for asking that. I, I did spend that first career in biotech. And I can remember in, in my last position where I was running a little biotech company, when I interviewed for that role, the chairman of the board asked me, you know, what I wanted to be doing in 10 years. And I said, I want to be on a college campus. I want to be teaching. And he, he said to me later, he said, I, I almost didn't hire you that day. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, it is just, I hate to use the overused passion word, but yeah. it is my mission to, to teach. It's what I do. And so, um, 
I take the practical experience. I'm not a traditional academic, yeah. but I take the industry experience, the entrepreneurship experience and innovation, and I, I try to bring it into the classroom. But I am, I have transitioned over, over these decades <laughs> to really focusing on personal finance. That's where my heart is right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I always say that personal finance is deeply personal. Uh, Julie's heard me say this in the podcast a number of times. The clients uh, allow us into their world and they're sharing the most intimate details of their lives so that it gets extremely personal. Um, before we kind of get into the economic uh, uh, questions here on, on the economic way of thinking, maybe can you talk about uh, more of the uh, the mindset or the teaching that you that you do and working with your students on the more human first approach or the more behavioral side uh, of working with people. Okay, well, I'm actually going to combine those things, two things, <laughs> if you'll allow me to do so. Of course. You know, I, I start every course and, frankly, every presentation with a discussion about the economic way of thinking. I, yeah. I do something I, I call the, the Dodi mantra. And, <laughs> you know, everything we value is scarce. Because everything we value is scarce, we can't have it all. Because we can't have it all, we have to make choices. Every choice we make means giving up something else. Most valued alternative is our opportunity cost. cost. Okay. So that is economics, but that's also personal finance. And, And that is getting at the behavioral aspects that you talked about. Personal finance choices. Mm hmm. Are, are, are what we have to get to. It's not the how to, it's the why. The why. Yeah. And so, so, so I think that that's the way I, I approach it at the foundational, you know, personal finance level. I take that economic way of thinking and I wrap uh, investing in yourself and earning income, yeah. spending and saving, uh, credit and debt, protecting and insuring, uh, certainly financial markets and and personal investing and then giving back philanthropy mm-hmm. yeah. you know and, and service so it it's it's a much more hol- at least holistic. the way i it, it's a much more holistic approach to personal finance i love it i love it and being as our listeners know i'm a generational dork i love to study the different generations and and tired of spending hours on financial analysis and reporting if you're manually doing your reporting you need to check out liveflow they've completely automated the entire process liveflow integrates quickbooks with google sheets making life easier for accountants and finance professionals LiveFlow's plug-and-play templates for financial models save you from hiring additional staff. But here's the real game-changer. LiveFlow's consolidation automation feature. No more time-consuming manual consolidation. With LiveFlow, you can automate the entire consolidation process in just 10 minutes. On average, LiveFlow users save at least two days every month and are able to take on more clients. It's time to transform your financial workflow. Visit liveflow.io and use the promo code ROR 
for 20% off. What I love so much, Susan, about what you're doing and, and others that are in, you know, that are teaching people that are potentially looking to join the financial services industry. Thank goodness for you guys, because I mean, as people know, we desperately need young people to join our industry, right? Unfortunately, I, you know, the CFP statistics show that there are such there, there's such a, a less number, I'm not articulating that very well, but there are far fewer people joining our industry. And, um, and so I'm just, I'm so thankful that there are people such as yourself who are teaching in such a warm, welcoming way, um, because this industry is not always warm and welcoming at all. And so thank you for, you know, having that, that different perspective. And it also is so, you know, it's, it's so how the generations, I think you, you would know this, you're the teacher, but how they want to learn. And I'm guessing, you know, as the young advisors that, that we talk to and work with, this is how they want to support the people that they work with, which is fabulous. So it's, and it's so often when they work with in teams, you know, or, or more senior advisors or more senior managers, it's not quote unquote, the way it's been done before for, for many. And so I love that you're giving them this education and this foundation. So then when they step into their own and build, you know, the, the practices that they want to build, that they have you in their head, um, <laughs> empowering them, you know, to, to be the authentic, confident voice and, and build the practice that they want to build. Anyway, I think it's fantastic. <laughs> Have you been listening in on my classes? Because that's what I tell them. I said, I want, I want space in your head where I can live. <laughs> so, it's funny that you, that you say that, you know, I think Traditionally in academia, we have done a good job on the quant side. Yeah. yeah. And, and we prepare students well in the hard, the hard sciences yep. of yeah. economics and, you, and, and finance, if you will. But I don't think we have spent enough time or effort at, at university in preparing them for the career in preparing them people yeah. for the people skills yeah i've said it's it's preparing them not only for a career but a conversation being able to have that conversation yeah. with a person who's another human that, that has potentially shared human experiences yeah. and connecting with them on that deeper level susan you know Navigating i know you have emotion yeah you know, I know you have the, the it's a P20 education term, right? <laughs> so for those who of our listeners who aren't familiar with it, can you talk about really what that is and, and why sure. it's, you know, what, what does it mean? You know, most people talk about K-12 and yeah. everyone knows what K-12 means, but we're really expanding that, um, that timeline from preschool to graduate school. Yeah. It's, it's all about lifelong learning, you know, you're, you're never too early, you know, too young to learn, or you're never too old to teach, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it, it's the continuum. And 
it's got to start young. We can't, we can't at university begin the process. And I can't tell you how many students I have who have never been exposed to personal finance. Mm -hmm. They haven't been in schools or at home. And, and I never want that to be too late. I want to mm -hmm. see the process start very early. So it does start early in preschool and with families with young children. Mm -hmm. And the key is talking about talking this. Talking about it, yeah. Every Making level. it less taboo. Yes. And oh my goodness, it's about an important one. Well, and it probably, I would, I would hope, and I'm sure in your fabulous teaching, it not only does it translate into conversations for people who get into the financial services, but also empowers, again, these young people to have conversations within their own families, right? I mean, that, yeah. that's the hope, right? Is yes, the stigma absolutely. around money and awkward and, you know, potentially contentious maybe it alleviates some of the stress and hey let's you know let's talk about this one of so the cool that i teach is a personal finance course for working adults they are non if there is such a thing anymore uh, non-traditional students aren't we all yeah. uh, who have found themselves maybe mid-career and don't have bachelor's degrees. And so they have come back to school and they are juggling work and families. And, and these students tell me, where were these courses when I was in high school? My, my spouse and I, my partner and I are sitting down and we're having conversations now. I, we never talked about these things before in our lives. And we're talking to our children and we love having these resources for our children. It's, you know, it, it's the, the stuff that makes me get up in the morning, you know, because it, they tell me how much it matters and how new it is to them. So we're, we're empowering people with personal finance. Yeah. So what is currently going on with regard to that P320 curriculum um, in obviously those elementary schools and secondary schools and then and then so on. What's the latest um, that you are all, all, all doing as far as applying personal finance um, throughout those uh, P through 20 grades? Okay. So, you know, the, the real movement has been in trying to get standalone personal finance courses yeah. required at the high school level. And so... Right now, in, in we have 23 states with where, where personal finance is required. And there are seven more who are in the process, process. of instituting, you know, I, I, I believe the completion date is, is 2028. But so we're, so it's, we're at 30. And, and that's exciting because there's been tremendous improvement, you know, just since 2020, I think yeah. maybe, maybe uh, seven of those uh, states in that amount of time, I think. But that also leaves 20 states, including <laughs> my <not> own, <laughs> where, where we don't 
have a required standalone course. And, you know, a lot of people are, are referring to that as the gold standard. Mm -hmm. um, and so what we have in, in many states is combined economics and personal finance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I am a strong advocate of, of needing both. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. And so I would rather have a combined, a required combined course than no course. Yeah. But I'd like to see in every state both economics and finance and personal finance. Yeah. And so anyway, we're 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 moving in that direction, and that's exciting. What we also see, and, and I will use Texas as a wonderful example of this we see personal finance embedded in our math curriculum mm. from K-8. And so that's, that's exciting. Uh, we see, of course, economics integrated into social studies curriculum K-12. Mm -hmm. and, and so there's a lot, there's a, and, and the business teachers, the CTE, computer, um, career technology uh, teachers, are doing a wonderful job with a variety of uh, courses as well, but we, it, but we need to have it everywhere. And yeah. you asked about the whole continuum. So a lot of universities are seeing in, but it's siloed. We're seeing it yep. perhaps in finance courses in business schools. We're seeing it in special programs like the one I talked about, Our you know, our adult learners program, we're seeing it in, you know, sort of student life and leadership groups that um, as part of the financial aid process mm -hmm. and, and student health process, but it's still very siloed. Yeah. And, uh, and there just needs to be more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I wish someone would take on doing like TikTok videos for, you know, for younger economic learners, younger budgeting learners, because they probably make a killing. Well, that's kind of what we're up against. And I maybe wanted to, to shift the conversation there next, Susan, because uh, I think we're ill-equipped We're ill -equipped to really go out there on the psychological battlefield of TikTok and Instagram, mm -hmm. where you see everybody living their best life and you're comparing their highlight reel to our own blooper reel. And yep. so, uh, yeah, so it's real difficult. So you, I wrote an article for Intuit on uh, this concept of, of soft saving uh, by Gen Z and the, the younger generations on how they're living for more than now, which you can't fault them in the current yeah. economic climate, the geopolitical climate, you know, the difficulty is uh, in, in buying a home now or saving for retirement. Can you maybe talk about the challenges that young people have uh, when it comes to saving and investing uh, because of social media? Well, there's there's certainly some of what you're talking about, the the social pressure, pressure yeah. from social media, the the influencer, influencer culture. <laughs> and mm -hmm. you know, but I think we have to we have to turn that and and get at the heart of what our our, our Gen Z, you know, students are, are saying, mm -hmm. and that is, you know, we're scared. We're scared of, of not being able to buy homes. We're scared of 
of having to work so hard that we have no social life. Mm-hmm. We, we're, we're, we're scared. In debt. Yeah, absolutely. Not having a pension when they retire. Maybe social and, security oh, not being there when they retire. All those things. And that yeah. turns into, well, we want to have it now. We want to have it now and, and, and live our lives now and enjoy our lives. So somehow we have to capture that behavioral economics piece about in incentives. You know, mm-hmm. what's the life you really want to lead? You know, how do we get there? You know, what, um, it comes back to that economic way of thinking, you know, scarcity, choice, opportunity, cost, you know, what, what do you value more and, 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 and apply it to all of the personal finance areas that we, that we talked about. There was a, I think I heard it originally from Sarah Newcomb, but it, it's that idea of aging, you know, getting into the picture booth and um, fast forwarding to a picture of yourself. Yeah, the future self. The know, work by Hal Hirschfield over at is UCLA. That what it, is that where yeah, it's your from, future right? self? Yeah. Yeah, and and so how make friends with that older you? How do you want that yeah. older you to live? Yeah, and, and empower them to have choices and absolutely. live the life they want to. And I think Roy, like you said, the soft saving—you don't have to save that much; it just accumulates so much over time. But yeah, it, it's um, it is that the younger generation is a now generation, right? They're used to uh, immediate gratification, and they want immediate gratification as opposed to—at least this is what you know—I'm a statistics dork. This is what the statistics and studies show is they would rather have it now than worry about the future. So it's, I think it's up to all of us. And I think that's in part what we're talking about today to help them realize it doesn't have to be, if, if possible, it doesn't have to be an either or yeah. it can be an, and hopefully give into the tyranny of the or. Right. Yes. Well, our audience is filled with CPAs, accounting professionals, financial advisors, and others. Uh, Susan, you know, what are some best ways that you recommend that they start getting involved in, let's say, this P twenty education? Well, I think that there's lots of opportunities in schools and civic organizations to to volunteer. Yeah. I but I think the important part is is finding out, you know, what the schools what the, let's say scouting as an example, are already doing and having, you know, having a volunteer solution to come in and fix it. Um, a lot of times volunteers, you know, from the financial industry want to come in and talk to the kids. Well, they've got to have something that they're going to do with the yeah. kids, that the kids are going to walk away being able to do that they're excited about. So I I think having, first of all, having conversations with with the educators, with the parents, with the people in the community about where the the kids are and and how volunteers can help, you know, move the needle. Yeah. And making sure that when we do get the opportunity to get in front of the kids that we 
whatever we're trying to communicate, we put it in their language, not ours. Yes. And, and, and I think you're so spot on. And I think there's some really exciting programs out there. For, for example, the Council for Economic Education runs a, you know, a, a personal finance challenge. SIFMA mm. runs the stock market game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Next Gen Personal Finance has all of these wonderful gamification yeah. uh, tools. Yeah, I worked with a uh, partner with Tanya Van Kort, uh, who has that app Goal Setter, and she's doing mm -hmm. financial literacy through memes, pop culture, gifts. Where kids so have to good. pass a 10, a 10 question quiz, you know, have their, let's say their allowance unlocked every week. So I think you're right. I think it's that gamification mm -hmm. and really engaging kids uh, uh, with their, on, at where they're at to really get them involved in, in financial literacy. And it's more of a carrot mentality than a stick mentality, if you will. People respond predictably to incentives. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I love that activity that you have with the challenges or with the values challenge. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm obviously big in the values-based planning as part of behavioral finance and really finding or helping people or families uncover you know, what their values are, because then we can make decisions with those values in mind, whether it's for a business, growing your business or your personal finances. You know, if I really value you know time with my family, well, I'm going to start making decisions and choices that puts me closer near uh, to that to that family that I do to, that I do value. So you know, I think values based. How do we, Susan, start that conversation with kids about those values? I mean, I've talked about having that conversation with families to say, hey, you should have uh, a family values conversation at an early age with your kids, and then you know they they can have that uh, as a foundation for. We're making decisions. Mm -hmm. You know, you can go back to things as simple as, you know, what they're doing with their allowance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and where's the value? First of all, there's a difference between earning money and gift money and kids will think about it. Even young children, preschool children will think about that very differently. And, and then constantly giving the uh, giving those children the opportunity to make choices yeah. what do you want to do with that money and young children are often so very generous that they're already thinking uh, about some family values and helping others but we have to implement it we have to implement it yeah. and we have to be consistent and we have to talk about it and reinforce it and we have to model it yes yes so agree and then show them hey this remember we did this and look you know here's a statement or here's a thank you card or here's a you know let them see the results of you know whatever it is that they did um, and follow through, like you're saying. I think that's so really important. Yeah. And you've done work with, with Philip, Heck, Philip Hecker at Bento Engine. And I know he has a great program that has uh, children, it's children and wealth and has these different uh, ways that we can uh, start working with kids and having that conversation. I'll tell you, getting to know Philip Hecker, uh, who is just an amazing person. 
with such wonderful ideas has really caused me to think so deeply about what I want to do with personal finance at the, at the university level and, and with working with this whole P20 um, continuum because, you know, he, he, he talks and along with his team at Bento about these important decision times, these, these life choices, yeah. you know, a, across, you know, the family age continuum. And, and he has such practical advice at every pivot point, if you yeah. will. Um, so, you know, and, and you far more than I un understand the, the FinTech piece of what he is, is doing, but from the leading with advice, perspective uh it's just top notch yeah i always say that we're really we connect generations we're really providing that family office level of care so we can have those conversations uh you know with those baby boomers all the way down to the youngest generation and start involving them in that financial conversation uh like we said people see money as a taboo talk topic we need to start having uh those difficult conversations um, so we can equip those kids, you know, once they hit the workforce, uh, with, um, the ability to make decisions when it comes to the very important thing we call finances. Mm -hmm. And position it as it, like you're saying, you know, opportunity and things to strive for, as opposed to, you know, the negative context, maybe, I mean, there's the reality, of course, right? Bills, mortgages, rent, you know, tuition, what have you. But it doesn't, you know, just so much of it is how we position it and how we talk about it with them and then that how they talk about it with their families. Um, being very realistic, you know, not BSing anybody. But um, again, I, so much of it is mindset. Right. Psychology, mindset, choices, all of that. Yeah. And and they're hungry for it. Yes. And they're sponges. All of those, all of those ages, they are yeah. hungry for it. They want to talk about this. They want to learn more. They want to be active in the decision making. And so they I want think to collaborate. They want to really do. Yeah. And that's that's where we have to be so consistent as parents, mm -hmm. as grandparents, as educators, as advisors in, 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 in bringing them into the process. I think that's, that's really the key. Yeah. Well, so many advisors that, that we have spoken to are like, oh my gosh, you know, bringing in when they, so there's obviously these major gaps in, um, what uh, investors are looking for from their advisors and what the advisors think that they're doing. Uh, Rory and I have talked about this a lot. And um, one of the major disconnections is investors want more help from their financial professionals in the wealth advice transfer process and in the whole, and just the discussions and the collaboration that we're talking about and the older generation, because nobody did it with them, it was very taboo with them. Unfortunately, many make uh, the wrong assumption 
that their kids, they don't want to talk about money. You know, it's, it's going to be contentious. It's going to be, you know, just emotional and hard and, and what have you. And so it's our job at, you know, as you're doing and as Rory and I are doing and so many other wonderful people to educate and empower advisors, financial professionals to then take these conversations to their clients and say, look, actually your kids want to be a part of these conversations. I'm here to help. Um, so please great. let me help and let's do it. You know, it's just, again, mindset. <laughs> and, and financial advisors who have never done that before exactly. or have not been nurtured through, as they've grown professionally to do that also find it uncomfortable. So there's a lifelong learning piece. We've yeah. There's an, an outreach need for advisors in practice. So spot on. Yeah. Well, speaking of, uh, you know, the education piece, I know you're doing some interesting things with the undergraduate program there at, at Texas. Can you talk to our audience about, uh, you know, some of the stuff you're doing over there uh, with the program? Yeah. Thank you for asking that. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I started with the, the personal finance course. And, you know, I am a woman on a mission <laughs> to see every student, you know, at, at, at the university. I, at, I, the, the part of the world that I can control, yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to see everyone taking personal finance. So that's sort of step one. Step two is I have created a generational wealth course, and it is um, understanding it and building it and sustaining it. And so that is a piece really for the, um, the, the students who are likely to go into uh, accounting and finance and, and, and be in that position to advise. But I think that what's, what's unique and I'm very excited about <laughs> is uh, the next level course that I'm calling First Responder Finance. Uh -huh. And it has really four, uh, four pieces to that stool. And it is, you know, the education majors who will be teaching. Mm -hmm. And it is the more traditional finance and, and accounting and economics students. Yeah. But then the other two pieces of the stool are social workers mm. and criminal justice majors. Mm. Wow, and, cool. Yeah. And and so um so that's where I'm calling it first responder finance. But when when we developed our social work program at, at UT Tyler, and I I was part of the committee that brought our wonderful um new faculty in, and I asked each of them in the interview separately you know, what they saw as the biggest challenge with the families they would be working with. And they all said, oh, money. Yeah. And yet personal finance hasn't been part of a curriculum <laughs> in social work programs. So we're yeah. going to change that. Well, uh, I, I, I think it's Dr. Dana Crosby that says like three biggest stressors um, are money, the, your job, and then the economy. So it's really money, money, money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Uh, are the three main stressors here in the in our country? 
And I'd call that choice, choice, choice. <laughs> yeah. And then and then law enforcement, the same thing. Yeah. You know, so get families that um that our criminal justice majors will be working with are, are families who are often in financial crisis. Hmm. Desperate people That's do desperate. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, I love that. I love that work, Susan. Um, well, you know, hopefully a rising tide lifts all boats. I'm a big believer that, you know, if people just had the the knowledge, they'll just make better, they can make better yeah. choices. Yeah. Um, and it's scary for a lot of people. Like finances seem scary, but you know, once you, once you learn it and understand the basics, I mean, and that's why I love behavioral finance because it goes beyond the numbers, uncovering those values. Like we said before the podcast here and the audience has heard me talk about it time and time again, looking at our whole life. So not just the financial, but the other aspects, our emotional, our spiritual, uh, our social, our intellectual well-being, and quantifying those um, as well um, will really help us uh, live our best life, optimize our well-being. So not just optimize our financial well-being, but optimize our whole life well-being. Absolutely. I love it. All right, Susan, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, if our audience wants to get in contact with you, what's the best way to do so? sdoty at uttyler.edu. How's that? <laughs> I love it. Nice and easy. Julie, thank you so much for guest co-hosting with me today. Always. Yes, always. All right. Thank you so much, ladies. All right. Lovely to meet you both. Thank you so much. Bye. All opinions expressed by Rob Santos and Rory Henry on this website podcast interview are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Arrowroot Family Office LLC or their parent company or affiliates and may have been previously disseminated on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by anyone as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of their opinions. Past performance is not indicative of future results.